When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. We talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and that sounds good to you. Go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Rate, review, subscribe, help us out, and you'll get great content about the balls, about the Predators, about the Titans. It's all there in the feed. A to Z Sports Podcast Network, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all of Zach's musings on the Vols. Well, Zach, I mentioned it last week uh, that there was a potential that I would be able to be in attendance as a media member uh, at the spring game for Tennessee at the orange and white game, the Chevrolet orange and white game. Uh, and I was lucky enough to do that. It, it was uh, cool. I was back in the media saddle. I covered for anybody that doesn't, you know, maybe he's new to the show. I covered University of Tennessee sports for five years, was on the radio for a big chunk of that also. Uh, and I have been separated two years now, and I can say, Things were a little different yesterday, uh, but it wasn't necessarily because of the Josh Heupel regime and everything moving in. It was obviously COVID and they, Zach, they took away the press box food and I was distraught. Uh, I love a whole, a whole per, half 50% of the reason that I wanted to be a media member was to eat free food in a press box and they took it away. COVID, you, you bastard, you've gone too far this time. Uh, but other than that, it, it was a good time. Um, but Zach, how are you? That's uh, really disappointing to hear. I, I don't think I ever saw a halftime show at any Tennessee game uh, because I was in line getting food at halftime, eating, going back for more food, eating more. Uh, the halftime was kind of a a sacred time there where you just kind of got to eat and forget about the game for just a, just a minute there while you ate and kind of scrambled around. But yeah, that, that would, that would be a tough one there because I always enjoyed that. I always enjoyed seeing who you saw in the food line too, because usually whoever's calling the game, uh, national guys, sometimes you'd be there behind Brent Musburger or, you know, somebody else, Joe Tessator. It, That'd be a tough one, but hey, at least it was a little bit of normalcy, I imagine. I know things were different, but being back in the press box, being back at Neyland, seeing some fans in the stands for, for a live sporting event had to feel good. 
it it did and it was nice the the crowd wasn't huge but it was enthusiastic and the everything about it was fun and I think well executed on Tennessee's part it does feel like we're getting back to normal I, I I'll say with the crowd it felt like a crowd that would probably show up for a kind of waterlogged rained out game uh and it, it ended up actually not raining for almost the entire game uh thankfully but it yeah like it felt generally speaking normal uh and that's that's cool and i was happy about that but uh yeah bring bring back the calhouns and the the buffet line please next time for when i show up uh but nonetheless fun fun game and we obviously that's what we're going to be cracking into today is a spring game that's (laughs) frankly what else is there to talk about tennessee baseball still chugging along playing well uh got a rubber match today against texas a&m uh, this is we're recording before that ever happens. So if they win, awesome, great series win. If they lose, Tony Vitello is his head on the chopping block. Is he on the hot seat? I don't know. Uh, no, just <laughs> oh, there will be somebody tweeting at you for that. <laughs> uh, tweet that at uh, what's what's your Zach TNT? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's my Twitter account. Um, I'll read. I'll redirect it to where it needs to go. <laughs> uh, but. It's really the the bulk of what what's been happening is the culmination of spring practice, and you know you, you always kind of have to take a a grain of salt with the spring game because with with Butch it was oh you get to see Dobbs and Camara in the first five minutes and then they go sit on the bench and you don't see them anymore for the rest of the game and then it's mostly walk ons. Now you we got to see quote-unquote, four quarters of action from a whole set of different guys, Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker, Brian Maurer, uh, you know, Jabari Small, like all of these, uh, the whole set of players that we kind of wanted to see some from, and that was nice. And in a in a game style, in an actual game style, a game style to such an extent uh, that Danico Slaughter <laughs> got ejected <laughs> from the game for a targeting. Uh, hit so and he except he was ejected but then didn't leave the game um I don't think because I think hypo was like no we're not doing that <laughs> that's ridiculous um but I does does Danico slaughter now have to sit out half of the season opener I don't know uh the rules are the rules but uh if it I was think an- the best thing I saw about that is he needs to sit out the first half of next year's spring game <laughs> Yes, perfect. That's the perfect punishment. <laughs> uh, but it genuinely, it was an actual spring game. Because again, going back to like Butch and we missed, Pru- like Pruitt only had the one because um, last year's got, got canceled. Uh, but like Butch's would be this weird, like we would play a little bit of actual like scrimmagey football, but then we'd have like a quarterback competition where we're throwing into trash cans and all this. This was just a game. They just, they lined it up for four quarters and just sort of played back and forth between a, a team dressed in orange and a team dressed in white. And I, I liked it on the whole. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, I thought it's kind of what you want to see. I mean, I hated the Butch Jones spring games with the wacky scoring systems and gimmicky, mm. you know, 
somebody's won 150 to 120 and you have no clue how the store really worked. Although it sounds like y'all didn't have any idea how the store was working yesterday either because of a, a scoreboard issue. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, they had, for whatever reason, I don't know who screwed this up and they didn't fix it. They put on all of the scoreboards in the stadium, the orange team was white like the placard was white and the the white team was orange and it was extremely confusing and it confused the uh confused uh what's the the over the stadium announcer uh I can't think of his uh Jeff Yeah, Jeff uh, uh from he's from Q, he's from WNML. You know who yeah. we're talking about. Uh, it, it confused him. Apparently, it confused Kessling, uh, Bob Kessling on the radio. Apparently, he was like having trouble, like knowing who was winning the game. <laughs> it and it was just confusing in general. But uh, I believe the orange team uh, came out victorious on a last second, uh, huge touchdown throw by Hinden Hooker, and it actually came down to like a nice little competitive ending, and that was fun, and ended on an impressive throw and catch and everything. Uh, and so, generally speaking, this gets high marks for me from a, again, I mentioned it on last week's show. The effort in a spring game is for fans to have as much fun as possible while seeing nothing at all. Yeah. That's the entire goal of the spring game. They don't want to show you, and more specifically, they don't want to show rival coaches anything at all. Uh, and especially right now with Hypo, because he has the element of surprise on his side. He has that element of like, these guys have only seen me coach in a in an American conference setting. They don't know exactly where I'm going to go with these guys. And so he, he wants to keep that close to the vest. I think he did that. He, he They called a lot of the same plays over and over again, a lot of simple stuff. Um, and, and yeah, I, I liked it on the whole, but what were your thoughts on what you actually saw with scheme and things like that? Yeah, I think we saw – really that that Tennessee's pace is going to be faster than we even imagined. I mean, these kids, they, they, they were moving really, really fast and they probably want to move faster than that. Uh, I wrote an article earlier this winter, kind of some comments that, that one of Josh Heupel's former assistants had made in a little interview YouTube series he did where Heupel's offense, they're very structured in, in between play stuff like the ball goes to a certain referee you don't throw it if you're more than two steps away you hand it to you know the side judge instead of the back judge that way it's one less throw to spot the ball like they they focus on those little details to leave it bleed as little amount of time off the clock as possible and i saw that they those details weren't as crisp yesterday i saw some long throws across the field from wide receivers to referees kind of so I think you'll see a lot of that get cleaned up and they'll move even faster, which is kind of hard to believe because it was very surprising how fast they really did move yesterday. And that was that's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, like we were talking about before the show a little bit, what's that going to do to your defense when you go three and out? Because that's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen a lot. Tennessee, they're going to have a good offensive plan, but they're not going to have the talent that some of these other teams in the SEC has. And those defenses, I mean, they know, yeah, Hypo might have the element of surprise, but by and large, they know what Hypo's trying to do. He's spreading the field out. You saw kind of how wide the wide receivers were spread out yesterday. They're almost like on the sideline pretty much. I mean, the, the field is wide open. 
and and they know what they're going up against, and they're going to be able to stop Tennessee at, at times, and that's that's going to be tough on the defense. It was probably my biggest takeaway from yesterday, just what we watched. Unless Heupel has a complete change of heart between now and September, and he just doesn't even remotely stick to what we saw yesterday, and I don't believe that will happen. Um, this was, yeah, I thought it was going to be fast, but I thought he might take a a route of like, yes, I've played this way for like this has become my signature style, but I'm going to dial it back a little bit because now we're playing in the SEC. You know, it's a little different. Like SEC ball is just not the same style of football as the American Athletic Conference. It's just not, and so. I thought maybe he would take that tack, and it looks like he is going to be true to himself. He is not wavering on that. And in fact, like you said, I think it they want to be even faster. It wasn't fast enough yesterday, and it was crazy because I was just making um, Instagram stories for A to Z Sports. Like they, they just sit me down there, and they were like, hey, let's put it all on Instagram, and, and we'll do that. And so one of the posts that I made on Instagram was just, I was like, this is how fast Tennessee is going. They set up on the ball. They got a first down ran for, I believe 11, 12 yards. And it got through one of those stories, which I don't know. Is it 10 seconds per little Instagram story block? Yeah. It's not long. Something like that. So 10 seconds was essentially the first play before we got even halfway through the second little Instagram story block, five seconds or so, the next play was already, this wasn't just set up, the snap had happened. I mean, it was breakneck speed. And it is concerning when I think about the fact that the team that Tennessee is going to field on the defensive side of the ball. It is very fun at the same time, because it was... It is, it is a simplified, don't think too much, take the easiest route to wherever you're going sort of an offense, which is very easy on your quarterback and can be very advantageous for, say, a young quarterback like a true sophomore in Harrison Bailey, maybe, um, or somebody coming in like a Caden Salter, who, of course, we didn't get to see because he's suspended right now, um, but you know can, can be simple for those quarterbacks and not too tough because you're not just having to shuffle all these routes around in your head and, you know, really make a tough decision of where you're going to go with the ball. You just go to the easiest place. It seems like uh, a lot of it is just dump off passes, screens, like real simple stuff. And it works. It worked yesterday against Tennessee's obviously kind of walk on laden, whatever spring game defense, but still uh, it worked. And I, I go, that's going to be super fun. And you're going to score a bunch of points. Also, your defense is going to be tired by the middle of the second quarter. <laughs> if you go three and out a couple of times, and that's going to be tough. And I, I will be interested to see how Hypel adapts it to the athletes in the SEC because it's not going to work all the time. And yeah, I don't, you know, how I don't do you think he's, I don't think he's going to change who he is at all. I mean, it's what he's been doing his whole coaching career. It's it's what he did at Missouri, and we saw Missouri score a lot of points, but they also weren't winning games necessarily. And I think the defense we saw from Tennessee yesterday obviously isn't the defense we're going to see this season. They had a lot of key players out, a lot. I mean, Latrell Bumpus, Elijah Simmons, Greg Emerson, Darrell Middleton, Byron Young, who's been having a great spring. 
Jeremy Bates, Roman Harrison. I mean, none of those guys played. Uh, you're going to have those guys back, but at the same time, Tennessee doesn't have a lot of depth. And I think what we're going to see this year, Tennessee right there with teams at halftime, maybe even leading. And then you get into the third and fourth quarter where this defense is just wore out. They don't have the depth to kind of rotate in and out, especially, you know, at the linebacker position. I like a lot of the guys they have on the defensive line, but it's still not very deep. In third or fourth quarter, defense fades. Offense gets a few three and outs. I think that's how we see them lose a lot of games. Kind of like the 2012 Tennessee team. I mean, it could be, which was a fun team, but I think we're going to see Tennessee lose some shootouts where the defense just falls apart at the end. And I, I could also see, and this was this was a point that Will Bowling made. I did a, a little quick spot with him, Will Bowling 104.5 in Nashville. Spot with him last night. And he pointed out that it kind of opens Tennessee up to some blowouts um, because if, if the offense is not working at all, and sometimes you just have an off game where it's just not clicking, you never get in a rhythm and you keep giving the ball back to the other team. And per se, it's Alabama with, you know, one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen. <laughs> They're going to score 60 on you. I, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be some stuff like that, unfortunately. And it's, that's just hypo sticking with who he is and you it's gonna just take time to build up that defensive depth that's that's where Tennessee is because I you know you look do you even have at this point and I guess I I don't know exactly how to frame this like an SEC worthy linebacker on this roster you know, you, you have some guy like Alante Taylor is going to hopefully be sort of a unit leader, a dog you got out there. He's been very vocal, it seems like, just on social media. Um, and, you know, there's going to be some guys on that defense, and there's definitely some athletes for sure. You, you, A lot of the guys that you read off that didn't play yesterday are kind of the guys that you want to see the most from coming up. But we, from most of those guys, the potential is there, but we haven't seen it. Like, I have no evidence in front of me that those guys are going to be that, like I saw with Henry Toto. Like, I could look at him and go, I've seen that guy play in an SEC football game, and he brings it. I, How many guys on this defense are there that I could say that about? Almost none. I mean, Darrell Dur- Middleton is there again. Elante Taylor. I, you know, I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head if I'm missing anybody. Uh, but it's <laughs> it is lacking. And it's not Heupel's fault. That's that's the thing that I think I'm going to have to, we're, we're all going to have to emphasize with ourselves this whole season when the defense does get um, kind of steamrolled at times. You're just going to have to go like, this is the set of cards this guy was given and he just has to play them that way. Um, and so as that we, and we haven't even, I thought we were going to just talk about uh, the, the quarterbacks. I guess we're going defense first and that's, that's where you're at with the defense. Uh, but any, I guess we can, we can break it up that way. We're talking about the defense now. Additional thoughts on the defense, if you had any. I think it, you really – this is why Tennessee had such a tough time finding a defensive coordinator. I mean, we're seeing now basically what we talked about in January and February. The depth is thin. The offense is tough to to, you know, kind of prepare a defense to pair with this offense. That's why a lot of these guys 
looked at it and said, no, I'll stay where I'm at. That job is career suicide. It's why Tim Banks turned it down to begin with, and then Tennessee upped their offer. He really wanted to be in charge of a defense. I mean, he wasn't sure about taking the job, and and that's why. It's easy to find position coaches. Their name's not necessarily on it. If this defense goes out and is terrible in 2021, a lot of fans, smart fans, will know the deal, but there will be a lot of fans, a lot of casual fans that say, fire the defensive coordinator, fire Tim Banks. He did a horrible job, and that might not necessarily be the case. He's not in a position to succeed. I'm not trying to make excuses for him because I don't know how he'll do as a defensive coordinator. Maybe he is terrible. Maybe Hypo will need to find someone else. I don't know. But just because this team goes out there and gives up some points, it's not necessarily on Banks or, or anybody else on that staff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to give him a full pass. There are warm bodies out there on the field that he, that Banks has to work with, you know. Yeah, there's there's some talent. I mean, it's not like yes, he's, he's you know taking over a you know group of five school defense talent trying to compete in the SEC with it. But but what it'll take for that defense to be decent will be performances from guys that we simply have not seen yet. It will be maybe like a like Ro- Roman Harrison. Like maybe he has that in him. But I haven't seen it. I have not seen the 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 evidence of of that. And so hopefully you do have some star making seasons out of guys and that could make a giant difference. You have guys that step up, they they can be leaders. They do rally the defense, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but that's what it's going to take. It will take performances out of guys that, frankly, it's it's even hard to predict who it would be, where it would come from, because it just hasn't happened with almost anybody on, on the current roster for the defense. Yeah, but there is one reason for optimism here at the defense. It's that surely there has to be some improvement here just on some of the basic stuff that Tennessee felt out last year. They couldn't cover anything over the middle. Guys were out of position. They had trouble getting lined up at times. Tennessee didn't really have a true linebackers coach last year. Brian Niedermeyer had no clue what he was doing coaching linebackers. Uh, the head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, fired the defensive line coach four games into the season. He's trying to be a position coach and a head coach. It, the whole thing was just a mess, which which you know put more pressure on Derek Ansley to, to coach the secondary and be the defensive coordinator. It wasn't a good setup for anyone. This staff seems a lot more structured. Uh, they each have – it's just a better setup overall. So maybe these guys that are talented that, like you said, we haven't seen much from with a, a good coaching staff kind of has a plan. It's not all over the place like it was with Pruitt. Maybe we'll see a lot of development this year. I really hope so, and that's that's what you have to hope for. And even to whatever extent, like Tim Banks is an unknown entity. He hasn't, according to everything I read about his background, he hasn't really called plays as a defensive coordinator. And so, you know, you're that that could mean that it turns out he's awesome, or it could be a disaster. <laughs> you don't know, <laughs> and that's that's just the tough part with, with the defense. You just don't know exactly what you're going to get. We didn't really see him yesterday almost at all. It was mostly walk-ons and, and you know, guys that probably aren't going to get a ton of playing time during the season. Um, and and the, even the coaching staff is, is sort of an unknown factor out there. So that's, that's going to be that. I think we'll have a much better idea of where that unit is at uh, with fall ball. 
come come July, August, and we'll just have to evaluate then. But as of yesterday, they did not impress. I, <laughs> I would put it that way as just kind of the bottom line with defense. But moving to the offense uh, and kind of what everybody wants to talk about out of that game yesterday is that Harrison Bailey is the second coming of Peyton Manning. He's probably going to win the Heisman uh, this coming year. And I think that's just a, a fact. What did you think, Zach? I, I I can never get too wrapped up in these spring game performances because I've done it before and it's it's come back to bite me. Don't do it. Yeah, it it's so tough. Like we've talked about earlier, you, you don't want to show too much in these spring games. You've got walk-ons on the defense. It's the 15th practice. It's not just the spring game. It's the 15th practice. So they're they're trying to get their reps in. They're, it's not really a real game situation, so you don't really know the plan for each quarterback or what situation they're in. I, I don't think, you know, like Josh Heupel said after the game, uh, the competition's wide open. He's not going to anoint Harrison Bailey as a starter because of yesterday's performance. I mean, Tennessee's still fixing to add a quarterback to this roster. That will be, when Caden Salter comes back, five quarterbacks in the quarterback room. I don't think there will be five this fall. I think somebody probably transfers. Who knows what exactly happens there? You never know with college-age kids. But it's clear that he does not think that there is a clear-cut leader in this battle, and I don't think anything yesterday changed that. No, not at all. I, I think you could probably rank the performances. It was Bailey was pretty clearly the guy that played the best yesterday Maurer and Hinden Hooker I would put that's tough between two and three um probably Maurer second in terms of how I could see him fitting in to the offense in general but neither impressed me uh all that much uh Maurer Maurer adds a fun element with his legs that I think the other two guys don't as much. Um, but I, I will put it this way. Absolutely, we did not see any kind of defining moment of where they're going to figure out who the starter is yesterday. Um, but you think you can take away like who is who is maybe lined up to potentially be the starter and the other guys that are just kind of there for competition, I'll put it that way, um, where you kind of go, okay, <laughs> maybe some of these transfers were brought in just to add to the depth of that position and to create competition during the offseason. But do they really have a realistic shot of being the starter outside of an injury? <clears throat> Probably not. Uh, but it's like I think you could take that away. But beyond that, it's yeah, it's just tough, and uh, and not being able to see Salter, not being able to see Joe Milton. If Joe Milton shows up, apparently that's not a hundred percent a thing. The transfer from Michigan, it's down to Tennessee and Washington State. Is that the case? He was there yesterday. He was in Neon Stadium yesterday. The the kid was Joe Milton, um, but apparently that's like still in flux to a certain extent. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think his announcement got a little spoiled uh, by by a local news outlet that kind of reported it first. I think he kind of wanted to make an announcement, and so there was another report that kind of questioned whether or not he's going to be at Tennessee. It sounds like he is going to be at Tennessee. 
It's just a matter of how the announcement comes about. But he might have looked at that game yesterday and said, ah, Harrison Bailey looks pretty good. Yeah. Jared Garantano out there at Washington State threw an interception on his first pass in their spring game. You know, he might see a better path to playing out there. I don't know. Yeah, who knows with, with, with that situation. That's a tough spot with JG, man. That that was – we were in the press box to kind of – when that happened, it rippled through everybody where we were like, did you just, did y'all see, did this come across your Twitter feed? This is, you know, and we all kind of saw that it happened. And, and I, I don't want to like laugh at the kid's expense, but man, that didn't surprise anybody. Jerry <laughs> first throw at Washington State was an interception. And he threw into like triple coverage. I mean, yeah. it's the same stuff that you saw at Tennessee. Uh, that's tough. That I, I always said it with Tennessee. Like, I fell for that kid, man. He he battled through so much at Tennessee, put up with so much crap, and won some games for Tennessee. But I, you know, at, at the end of the day, when you're five years in, you are who you are. I think, and that's that's where he he is. Uh, but nonetheless, not to rag on Jared Garantano. Um. Yeah, that's so that whole situation. I I could see. I I know if I was a if I was a recruiter or transfer like like that, and I had in mind that I was gonna you know have that that tweet or that video where I announced that I'm coming to Tennessee or or whatever, and some some local guys at Tennessee like spoiled that for me and be like, hey man, I wanted to have my moment. How about you freaking step off? Because uh, I th- I think that happens all the time around recruiting, where these kids want to have this cool announcement and this cool moment, and these dudes take it away. Uh, and and believe I I'm friends with some of those guys that take that moment away, and I would say this to their face, like let's you know if if that really is the case, whatever is happening behind the scenes there, that is a regular thing that happens. It's like this is things like this are like cool for a kid. I I don't know if the situation in Michigan is bad and he's fleeing and or whatever is happening there. But if, if the case was that they sort of spoiled his moment and he wanted to reclaim it a little bit, I get it, you know? And so that's, that's where that's at. I do, Yeah. He was at that spring game yesterday. I, he's going to be at Tennessee. I'm pretty sure. And that's another, just yet another wild card in that, that quarterback room where Heifel could go. Man. I mean, we don't know almost diddly squat about that kid outside of just the few times he's played at Michigan. And the, the quarterback situation is interesting. Yeah, I think my my gut feeling tells me Harrison Bailey probably will be the guy. I think Brian Maurer, I've said this before, I think Brian Maurer's skill set is better suited uh, for Josh Heupel's offense. But some of the stuff with, with Maurer protections and just kind of reading plays, knowing where to go, I think Bailey is better at that. Maurer seems like the type of guy that comes in in the third or fourth quarter and provides a spark, uh, just kind of, Comes in there, no really, not a not a game plan that they've really installed. Something's happened. Somebody's hurt. They need they need somebody to come in and pick up some yards. Like he feels like the guy that when Tennessee's playing Florida, that comes in for Florida in the third third quarter and just runs all over the defense. That's what Maurer feels like to me. But over the course of a season, I just I feel like first quarter, second quarter. You know, you, you've kind of got your offensive game plan where you're starting. He's trying to follow a script. I don't necessarily think he's the guy that that can execute that the best on the roster. Yeah, I, I would agree with pretty much all of that. I 
I feel pretty safe in making this prediction. Like I, a, a single guy is not going to start every single game for Tennessee this coming season. In fact, I would bet only it, it'll be more than two guys that start a quarterback for Tennessee this coming season, and not because of injury. I mean, I I just get I just get that feeling where Heupel is such a quarterback guy, he's going to want to really find whatever that best fit is you put the first kid in it's not working you put the second kid in it's not working you put the third kid in maybe you find it there maybe you go back to the second kid it works with you know there there's going to be some kind of cycling like that I feel like and then potentially injuries and you always sort of have that sort of stuff happen every season but I that is the feeling that I get with where that quarterback room uh is at and I any any other thoughts on on the quarterbacks that we might be missing before we move on to some of the stuff we saw from the the other uh, players in the offense. I think Hypo. I agree with what you're saying. I think Hypo will be quicker to make a quarterback move than than previous coaching yeah. staffs than than Jeremy Pruitt was, and I think it's because Hypo's been doing this for so long. I mean, he has been either a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, head coach with really focusing on the quarterback or playing for over 20 years now. I mean, this is, he has a lot of experience in this area. And he kind of alluded to that yesterday when he said, you know, he's been through enough quarterback battles as a player and a coach to know kind of how these go that, that you don't, you don't know after spring practice, you have so much more left to see in the fall. He's going to trust himself. This is routine for him. It's not like Jeremy Pruitt where you're just kind of throwing things against the wall, trying to see what works. And, and Pruitt meddling in what Jim Chaney wanted to do and what Chris Winkie wanted to do, Heupel knows. And his staff is going to rely on him to make the best decision. And I think Heupel understands that, hey, maybe he thinks it's Harrison Bailey in that first game. Bailey's not what he thought he was in a real game situation. I don't think you're going to see this well. He had a great week of practice. We don't really know what happened. I believe in gamers. I know a lot of people don't. I mean, you got to practice hard. You have to practice well. But I also believe that when the lights come on, certain players just play better. We saw it with Josh Dobbs. Uh, I just I can't be convinced otherwise. And that's one of the most frustrating things sometimes for me watching some of these head coaches. I know they see these guys in practice every week. But some guys play different when it's a game situation and when it's a practice situation. And it goes both ways. And I think Heupel has been around long enough in those quarterback rooms and in those situations that he'll make the best decision possible. And maybe we won't see this fan frustration with the quarterback situation because everybody will get a shot. Wouldn't it be really fun and out of the norm for Tennessee if Heupel pulled what he's pulled in the past with a quarterback here? Where, I mean, last season... Due to injury, I believe it was it was McKenzie Milton, another Milton, who stepped in, and true freshman. Oh no, it was and, uh, Gabriel, wasn't it? Dylan oh, so Gabriel sorry. It was, so it's, it's it's the exact other way around. Yeah, yeah, I, it was yeah. Dylan. It was McKenzie Milton that went down, and Dylan Gabriel right. stepped up. Sorry, D- Dylan Gabriel steps in after the injury, uh, the gruesome injury to to the original starter, and is excellent. Has a great year. And, you know, just goes and and goes out and plays in a way that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. Wouldn't that just be so, so nice? This Joe Milton kid comes in. He hasn't shown a ton at Michigan, but he has potential. I believe he's a four-star player coming out of college. And 
and Hypel can just use it. And it's a it's a star making season. That would be so amazing. And again, out of the norm for Tennessee after what we saw, especially what we saw with uh, Pruitt and Garantano and all that. It just would be so refreshing to see something like that. And I, I really, really hope that Hypel can can pull it off. It it would be really nice. And and just I think it would take a lot of pressure off of like the defense. Um, if you can have a quarterback that can really make plays and go out there, that's gonna probably take a lot of heat off of some of the other inadequacies that will be there strictly because of just where the roster is right now. I think some great quarterback play, if Heupel can pull it off, would change so much for the perception of this team and his time at Tennessee. So, you know what that. else is going to take a lot of pressure off the quarterback this season? I don't. I mean, I it's do. The- it's the fact that, that Tennessee found their Randy Moss yesterday, and without a doubt, it is Jack Jancic. <laughs> Jack Jancic went out, and he was Megatron out there, making plays, <laughs> doing big things. That's a, It is John Jancic's kid. Uh, people were asking that. Is, that. is that really John Jancic's son? Yeah, yes. it is. And John, and John was in Knoxville yesterday to watch him. He was. <laughs> two touchdowns one like a really nice throw from Harrison Bailey and a nice catch by Jancic and uh yeah, that was that was probably the funniest element of of that game yesterday I mean he's a six foot five guy he's got the height he does he actually does that's the funny thing he really does I you know he I would I don't think that's gonna happen but I I would love to see somebody like that, just you know, he's he's deep down on the roster. Comes in, makes a, a nice catch every now and again. I'm all all for Chan- it. Chances are we barely see him in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, if we see him at all, that's truth be told, that's probably how that goes. I would think so. Uh, he he played yesterday because again, there were a lot of guys out, and Hypo was just trying to put on a fun game. But hey, I he. Either the guy he was up against, and I, I don't even know that I noted who the who the cornerback was, but I would say this, he actually did look fast uh, compared to whoever he was facing off against. I'd have to go back and look um, who it was. It may have just been another walk-on um, that he was going up against. That's definitely a possibility, but he did. Hey, maybe. He becomes, uh, I, I think it was Ben, ben McKee yesterday, he said maybe he's the next Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Please. You never know. I mean, we see these <laughs> stories from time to time, these walk-ons. You know, they end up coming out of nowhere and, and making a big impact and earning a scholarship and landing in the NFL. It, it's happened before, but you can't predict something like that. It just happens. You, there's just yeah. no way because, you know, we all want to be the one that predicts it and sees it coming, and I – I'm sure there's a lot of that going on with Jancic today. It'd be awesome if it happens, but I don't. I don't think there's any way you can predict it based on yesterday. Yeah, I, I, as of now, I would say I highly doubt uh, that we'll see that out of Jack Jancic. But fun element from the game yesterday, an actual performance that I saw that I think will make a difference uh, in, in this upcoming season was Jabari Small, uh, mm-hmm. and he he has shades of John Kelly. He's very very small but runs really headstrong and and make, makes nice cuts has seems to have nice vision um 
And, uh, you know, guy, guys are making good blocks for him. It seemed like maybe the defense wasn't given 100%. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked what I saw out of, out of him. And you didn't – you also didn't really get to see much from the other guys in that room. But that, that was just one performance that stood out. I thought Jalen Wright uh, yeah. showed off the speed. He, he's Looked super fast. It. But he's, he's a little more physical than I thought he would be. I thought he's just going to be kind of a get him out on the edge and, and get him in open space let him run, but he has a little more physicality than I expected. And that speed that he has, that, that could be fun if they can utilize that. It would be cool that obviously, uh, you know, everybody talked about Jalen Hyatt too. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's, we've all sort of seen, he, he's as fast and athletic as advertised, I think. And that's going to be a fun element in Hypel's offense. Otherwise, you know, you got your, your D Beckwiths that could be in the wings and could be exciting players, but it is a, a lot of potential on on that offense again. But you might have, uh, I think I'd have to look at the exact roster. The the running back room, strangely, is, <laughs> is adequately deep. It's weird to say that there's almost any position on this football team that's like that wide receivers. It's a lot of young guys, but a lot of exciting young guys. I mean, I, I would say that, um, but you actually have a little bit of, you know, been, been around for a minute, ha haven't played a lot, but been around for a minute guys in that running back room. And then some really exciting young talent with Jalen, Wright, D back with, you know, yada, yada, uh, tie, tie on Evans. Um, and that, that could be, with what you saw out of Heupel's style, I think we could have a pretty impressive season from the set of running backs that Tennessee has right now. Yeah, there's there's certainly a really good talent there. Like you said, there and at wide receiver, unproven, but you got some veteran guys like Velas Jones, uh, Ramel Keaton is is still there, Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Callaway. There, there's fun guys to watch there that have some speed. Cedric running Tiller back made some nice plays yesterday. Yeah. The running back room's deeper. Like th then we realized, like you said, Tyon Evans was was out. I mean, he's another guy that that could really step up and be a huge part of this offense. If Tennessee can get the offensive line play that I think they can get with Ellerby as the coach, I mean, the offense, yeah, there's going to be games where they flash and they they are fun to watch and they blow somebody out. I mean, you're going to probably like the South Carolina game. Maybe I could see that being a game where everything's clicking on all cylinders and it is fun. And if Tennessee can do that, if they can have several of those games and if they were to finish six and six or seven and five, they're probably not going to go to a bowl game next year, regardless because of the recruiting stuff. But if they finish with a 500 season or a seven win season, that would be a miracle. I mean, that would be way more impressive than Butch Jones' first winning season or, or Pruitt's eight-win season. That, uh, Considering the situation, it would be just amazing. Like, fans should be ecstatic if that happens because, you know, the program is in a tough spot. And for all the criticism I gave the hiring process and as frustrating as it was, Hypo is – the best option to lead this team right now, given the situation. He's not the dream coach. He's not the guy that's probably going to win a national championship at Tennessee, just because I don't know if this type of coach can win a college national championship. Very few can. But he's the best guy that can keep this thing above water and maybe get Tennessee to some eight or nine win seasons. 
That is all as of right now. Get me to Mark Richt status, where you're winning enough to keep your job, but not winning the big games. <laughs> and as of right now, that will be fine. And then we can, you know, you cross yeah, that bridge it, when it comes. It opens a whole door of possibilities. If you get the program back to that point where they're just finishing with a winning record every year, sniffing 10 wins here and there, maybe getting to that point, then this job becomes a lot more attractive and exactly. you can kind of have your pick of, of what you want to do. But you got you can't skip that step. And everybody wants to skip that step. And I know I see it. I write things. I see the comments of, oh, here come the excuses. And people are still expecting Tennessee to just go right back to like winning 12 games or something. And it's – I don't know how you can expect that when it hasn't happened in so long. You're like you're not going to skip these steps of – the painful years, the painful losses. It's it's still going to happen. Like I mentioned earlier, you're still going to have those games where you're in control of the game because of hypo style. It fades away in the last minute or two. Those losses are going to hurt. They're going to happen. So just brace yourself for it. Unless a miracle occurs. <clears throat> and by, by that, I mean in a couple of years, you have a Johnny Manziel type player that pops up for Tennessee and just carries the team. Realistically, Tennessee is in is in such a hole. I mean, I think you're talking minimum four years before realistically you could quote unquote expect like a a truly competitive season and truly competitive in you you have a shot at the SEC championship game. You have a shot at, at a spot in the playoff where, you know, obviously in the SEC, a spot at the playoff means you have to go through Alabama, and that's a whole thing in itself. But, uh, you know, I it just fe- feels that way. The, the hole is so deep. Like, just look. If you disagree, like, take a hard look at that defensive roster, man. Like, this is – it's going to take a minute. It really is. And I hate it. I wish – Obviously, we all wish that this season Eiple would just flip it around. You can't, like with basketball, you can. It's a 10, 10 to 12 man roster. You can flip in one season. Rick Barnes just did it two weeks ago. He went from having what appeared to be like a true rebuilding season, picked up three players uh, off, off the recruiting trail, and suddenly you're like, oh, that's a top 10 team. Yeah. You can do that in basketball. Football just is such a harder, longer slog to build up all of the different elements that are on the field. I mean, there are, there are more starters in a football game than there are on the entire roster for a basketball team. Like, that's just a double uh, the amount of starters than there are on an entire roster for a football team. So, I it, it is... It's a tough reality to face down the Tennessee, unfortunately, because of stupid, stupid decisions made by athletic directors and administrators and coaches and all this stuff that Tennessee has been put in this massive hole. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to make excuses for Hypo forever. This will only last a couple of years, you know, because I think you can know after a couple of years, you can look at the recruiting that a guy uh, does and you can go, all right, that's not going to happen. Like, he's just not even, he's not bringing in the players that are going to be able to win at a high level in the SEC. You know, you can make but, but that's a huge, like that, but that's a huge problem, too, because <clears throat> you're right. You're not, you're not going to get 
through the SEC East. You're not going to get through Florida and Georgia without five-star players. It's not. not going to happen. Yeah. Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, whatever you think of them, they're two of the they're top ten coaches. They're top 10, 15 coaches, and they have some of the best talent in the conference. But is ten, Tennessee can't really land that five-star talent with the recruiting stuff scandal hanging over them. There is no five-star player that's going to commit to Tennessee not knowing the sanctions. A five-star player is not going to college to not play in a bowl game and to not compete to to be playing in, in early January or late December. It's just not going to happen. Until we know what that situation is and until we know if there's a bowl ban and all that stuff, it's going to be hard for Heupel to land any of these top recruits, and there's nothing he can do about that. That's It's just how it is. It's tough. It's tough even to sell to not top recruits right now. I got to think mm-hmm. with yeah. Heupel because, you know, guys where it's it's unrealistic for them to go to a Clemson or an, an Alabama, you know, they, they want to be sold on. We're going to go to a bowl game every single year. You're going to have a shot at, you know, you're in the SEC and you're going to have a shot at the big boys, even though we're not there yet. You're you're you know, that sell of like you're going to be part of the rebuilding process. Yeah, Heupel can definitely say you're going to be part of the rebuilding process, but also that kid might go like, well, am I like ever going to play in a bowl game? And he can go probably after two years. <laughs> you know, that, like that's the best that Heupel can say right now. He's in a a nightmare spot with some of this stuff, and it's it's going to take some some calibration um, to to whatever that that reality is ultimately going to be when, when the season finally comes. Um, I hope that they do have some kind of miracle star at quarterback or running back wide receiver, wherever you can get that kind of production from, that would be amazing. Um, but if it doesn't happen, cause it is, you know, how often do you see a Johnny Manziel? There hasn't since Johnny Manziel, how many Johnny Manziels have there been in all of college football, you know? Um, and so it's that's that's what Tennessee is up against at at the moment, even on offense where there are pieces where I go, oh, that's an exciting player. I think that guy is going somewhere. He's probably going to play on Sundays. He's a, a great athlete. And I think Heupel is going to do big things with him. There are absolutely players like that uh, all over on, on the offense. But it is still you still are where you, you are. And that's a tough thing that you face down when you go to that, that orange and white game yesterday and you just go, Oh man, <laughs> we got a long, we got a long way to go. <laughs> the, good, the good news is, is that you, you, you're right. You can't, you can't flip a football roster like you can a basketball roster, but it is going to get easier to do that. You know, in the next couple of years because of the transfer portal. Hey, if Heupel's offense is as advertised, Maybe the recruiting stuff because Tennessee's been so compliant with the NCAA and trying to get this settled and get everything out there. You assume they're not trying to hide stuff. They've been pretty upfront about everything that happened. Maybe the NCAA goes easier on Tennessee than we expect. Turns out to not be as bad. That opens the door maybe to some transfer options that aren't seeing playing time at Ohio State or Penn State or wherever, you know, and they see a better path to playing time at Tennessee. You know, that's an avenue that, that Heupel, I'm sure, will utilize to improve the roster and could potentially speed up the rebuild a little bit. I hope so. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, but all all you can do right now is just hope. I, I would say I walk away from that, that game, even if we do kind of have to have that 
that conversation about where Tennessee realistically is, I do walk away from that game excited uh, because it is so different. Heibel's take on this football team and the direction it looks like he wants to go is so new and fresh and refreshing that I, I walk away from that game encouraged and, and I go, hey, the, the defense might be in a, in a tough spot, we're, but we're going to have fun along the way. <laughs> you know? And that's, I, from hey, what fun we is saw, good. Fun is what? good. Fun is good because even yeah. when Jeremy Pruitt won games, they weren't fun. Exactly. Jeremy Pruitt would punch you in the face with boring football and then lose. <laughs> At least we're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that my biggest takeaway yesterday was that Heupel is going to be who he wants to be uh, no matter what. And we're, we are going to play this breakneck football and we're going to see what works um, and, and just go for it. And I'm, I'm here for it and I'm excited to see what happens. If, you know, I, I think you could listen to everything that we just said and kind of be like, Oh, well, so it's just going to be not great for four years. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. It's just that, any anybody that's on the other extreme and going, well, if we don't make the playoff by year three, fire this guy. Uh, no, that's not where Tennessee is right now. Tennessee needs to get back to winning nine games right now. And I think, from, from what I've seen so far, I think Heupel could absolutely be that guy. Absolutely could be that guy. I'm not, again, as you sort of said, I'm not convinced that he's that he's going to be saving. But that you know for for right now he's switching everything up bringing a positive vibe to the team bringing an exciting brand of football to the football field and that's for Tennessee fans and where this team is right now that's almost all you could ask for yeah i think the this this staff they have continuity they know each other they have a plan that in itself is encouraging to me that's that's you know you, the spring game is what it is but at the end of the day this is a football staff, a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. They've done this before. You know what to expect from them, and that's the biggest reason I'm encouraged. It's that simple. You didn't you didn't have that under Jeremy Pruitt at all with any of the staff. It was a revolving door, guys learning each other. These guys have been together. They know what each other does. They know what to expect from each other. They know what the wide receivers coach is doing in in their meeting room and. But they know what the offensive line coach is doing in their meeting room. It's just a much better atmosphere for winning football, I think. It really is. And that's, I think that's, you know, a, a good good place to wrap it up. Because that's, I, I want to end on, on a positive note. While having that realistic conversation about where Tennessee football is with Heupel, now that we've sort of seen some of the team, um, I hope that he can be a miracle worker. That would be amazing. I hope that they don't face sanctions. I hope that all of these things occur, but all I can give you is hope. And that that's just what, what you got with Tennessee right now. So let's go have fun with this exciting brand of football. And I think that's that. Any any parting thoughts, maybe some stuff we didn't we didn't hit on, Zach? No, I, I guess I, I need to get out of here so I can go order my Jack Jansett jersey before they're sold out. I'm <laughs> you got to get, get it. In. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anybody to beat me to it. I know. They're going to sell like hotcakes. <laughs> I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way to this point in the show, 
Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all the stuff that Zach writes in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Rate, review, subscribe if you want to catch every single episode that we drop on Monday mornings. I think that's all the academics out of the way. Thank you again for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you guys later. You say your talent